comes in our church family and then tell you, if you're new, tell you some new things happening. So starting next Sunday, uh, we are starting back at 10 a.m. instead of 10.15 a.m. We started at 10.15 a.m. whenever COVID hit. For what reason? I have no idea. I don't remember why we did that, but we just chose to start the online service at 10.15. We came back in person and we just kept it. 10.15 is an odd time to start and makes no sense. So next week, we're going back to 10 a.m. So say 10 a.m. All right, so next Sunday, don't show up at 10.15 or you'll miss like all of worship, basically. Unless you just want to skip worship, then I guess you could. But 10 a.m. next Sunday. Also next Sunday, uh, we're going to try something new for six weeks starting next Sunday. And that is we're going to do worship. Then we're going to have the message. And then after the message, we're going to break up into discussion groups and we're going to discuss the message. Uh, It's a time to build community, to get to know people uh, on a deeper level, and also a time to pray for one another. So we're going to try that at least for six weeks. We'll see how it goes. If it's terrible, we'll stop it after six weeks. If it goes great, we'll probably keep doing it. We anticipate it going great. So we'll anticipate keeping that going. Uh, So we're prepping kids ministry because they're going to be about 15 minutes longer in kids ministry than they've been. So our goal is we'll start at 10. By 11.30, group discussion will be over. So we'll kind of 25 minutes of worship, 35 minutes of message response time, 30 minutes of discussion groups, you know, something like that. So uh, that's starting next Sunday. Well, today I'm excited because we have one of our church family bringing the message today. Yes, super pumped about it. Uh, we had David, one of our church family, speak in February. Uh, Chase and I speak often, obviously, but uh, today, first time ever. Uh, I, I don't know if it's first time preaching, but at least first time preaching here. Yeah, pro- first time like speaking on a Sunday morning in this context. Uh, so would you join with me in welcoming Josh French this morning? So I'm going to talk just for a moment about Josh. Uh, I've gotten to know Josh a lot over the past two years, a mm-hmm. little over two years now. And Josh is one of these guys, whenever you sit and talk with him for a while, you know that he has a deep relationship with the Lord. And so as we were discussing, you know, him, him speaking, like I said, I mean, I trust you. I know you talk with the Lord and the Lord talks to you. And he has this intimate connection with God. So I'm pumped today uh, because we get to hear a little bit of what God's been sharing on your heart. So yeah, take it away, Josh. All right. <clears throat> Let me get logged in here because I need my notes. So, um, this week, I was, we were driving in our car, me and my daughter, and I think Michelle was there too, but I had told her that we were going, uh, my daughter Sarah, that we were going to get ice cream, or something that she really wanted, and we had stopped at a red light. She uh, was not happy about that. She said, she, she said, Daddy. I said, I, I know whenever she does this, she goes, Daddy. I know she, okay, here it comes. We're having a conversation about something. I said, what, babe? Just go. <laughs> well, um, I can't just go. I'm sorry. <laughs> there's cars. Like, there's, there's traffic here. Like, you can see the cars, right? We'll get hit. And she's like, well, yeah, but we just got to go. Well, yeah, we, I know you want to go, babe, but we have to wait. And she goes, Daddy, we just need to get out of this neighborhood. I was like, we're in our neighborhood. <laughs> I don't know why, like, we're not in, like, a bad, like, where did you hear that? 
So she, she, as soon as the light turned green, it took a minute, and she, she went, ah, finally. And so we were on our way, and we got, we got ice cream. Um, but I think um, a lot of times I think about my relationship with God and the promises that God has made me, right? The promises that I see in his word, the promises that I see, um, you know, just in my life that he's given me. And I think about wanting to get there, wanting to get to those promises, wanting that, whatever that is. You know, the, the scripture gives us a lot of examples of promises that he's made to us, right? I mean, the biggest one that we can think of is his return, right? Coming back. He's saving us from sin, raising from the dead, and then returning for his bride, the church. And, you know, I think one of the things that is really interesting about those promises and really interesting about the Word of God is that it tells us so often to wait on God, to wait on the Lord. And so I want want to talk about that. I want to talk about what that means. What does it mean to wait on God? What does it mean to wait on the Lord? How do we do that? Um, and, and how do we successfully get to that promise without getting so burnt out on what happened along the way that by the time we get there, we don't even see it? So one of the things about waiting I think that's interesting is so it's not doing nothing, right? Waiting is not about doing nothing. Um, and I think about Jesus, you know, in Matthew 28, it talks in, in the Great Commission, Right? When he leaves, when he's given us the promise of I'm going to prepare a place for you, right? He's, he's given that promise. He leaves us with something to do, right? He leaves us with the Great Commission there. Um, and he talks about going into the world and making disciples and, and all the things that are involved in that. I think about that. I think about also the parable that he talked about, the, the five wise virgins and the five foolish ones. I don't know if you're familiar with the story, but basically the story goes... Um, there are, there's a wedding, and the wedding party is waiting, the, 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 the bridesmaids, I'll put it in a little bit of a modern context so it's, so it's easier to talk about. They're waiting for the groom to come get the bride, and he's late. Um, and they know when he gets there, they're going to have to start the procession, they're going to go into the ceremony, they're going to go have the party, they're going to have the time of their lives, the wedding's going to be awesome, but he's late. And so half of these ten, uh, these ten women are gone to sleep. It's in the middle of the night at this point. It's taken way too long, uh, at least by their, uh, their standards, right? They've gone to sleep. They've let their lamps burn out, and they haven't been paying attention. They haven't been watching. So when we're there, when we're, we're reading this story, the, the bridegroom comes. The groom comes, and there's trumpets, and they say, hey, he's coming. Get ready. And the five that were paying attention, the five that were ready, that had the oil in their lamps still, that had the, the, uh, the presence of mind to watch and wait, to see what was happening around them, to pay attention to the world around them and see the things that were happening, were ready. And the five that were not doing that were not ready. And what ended up happening is they had to go look for the things they needed. They needed oil for their lamp, to light their lamp, to be able to see be able to join the procession and go. And while they were gone, the bridegroom came and took them all in. <clears throat> and there's some more to that story um, about how they, they weren't let into the wedding and things like that. But the, the point I want to 
look at here about these people, about these, these women, was that, yes, that, that parable is about waiting, and it's about being prepared, right? And, and in our lives, in our daily lives, when we're being, we talk about being prepared for the promises, we think about praying, we think about um, reading scripture, we think about those things, and those are good things, and we should do those things, and that's what this talks about, is being ready, having the ability to wait on God and be ready. But l- let me talk about something deeper there, is that when we're there, when that, we're in that place, and we look at, you know, being ready, the deeper part of this is that not only were they ready, but they were watching. It doesn't help to be ready if you're not paying attention to what's going on around you. That's, that, and that, that you could say that's part of being ready, but there's, there's something distinct about looking at the world around you and seeing this is what's going on. This, this is the, these are the things that are going on in the world that I see and the things that are going on in my life that I need to pay attention to so that I can use what I've prepared to go forward and do those things, right? So when I have promises from God, right, when I read Scripture and it talks about healing and it talks about deliverance and it talks about, um, it talks about salvation, I don't get, you know, wrapped up in this thing of, of I'm, I'm always only looking at this book and then I can just forget everything spiritual when I go for the rest of my day, right, or the rest of my week or whatever it is. Maybe it's just on Sunday that I pay attention to the Word of God and I, pay, I pray, but then I don't pay attention to it around me during the week. So we can't do nothing, right? We have to be watching. We have to be ready, watching and, and willing. But the other side of that coin is that we can't force it to happen. You can't drive through a red light because you want ice cream. It's just not going to go well for you, right? There's going to be something happen. Uh, it, when we look at Jesus in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane, is it Gethsemane or Gethsemane? I don't know. It's one of those two. I've heard it pronounced both ways. I think we had a conversation about that one time. Okay, so anyway, so when he's there in that garden and he's um, waiting on, he knows what's going to happen. He knows what's happening next. He's going to go to the cross. He's going to sacrifice himself for our sins. And he's going to descend into hell, retrieve the keys to death in the grave and come back. So he knows what's going on. He's been paying attention. So they're there in the garden, and Jesus is talking with his father, and he says, if there's anything I can do besides this and still get the promise, is there anything? Do I have to do this? So Jesus asks his father this question, and the answer is, this is the way, right? This is the way you're doing it. There's no, there's no choice, right? This is what has to happen. This is the sacrifice. And Jesus doesn't say, yeah, I don't like that. I'm going to go over here and try to do something else. Right? I'm going to go over here and I'm going to do something different than what you've said because I think I can make this happen. I think I can make this promise happen without you. He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. What he does is he says, your will be done. 
not my will, but your will be done. So you can't make it happen, right? And sometimes I think we're, we're, we're so focused on, on what we, on the promise that we have, right? Like you think about like, like an infant, right? Like a, like a breastfeeding infant, when you, when you like, when you take the baby off the nipple, like what does it do, right? Uh, if, if you're a parent in the room, you know, like it's like, it's like, you know, I'm looking for something or I'm crying, right? Like where's my promise, right? And if we get so intent on here's the promise, here's the reward, here's what I need, here's my salvation, and we get so caught up in that that we don't wait, stop to see, right, what's going on around us. We don't stop to see what this is around us and listen to what God has to say, and we're just demanding our way, then we don't get to the promise. We get so caught up with what's happening that's negative around us that we don't get there. So Jesus is in the Garden of, of Gethsemane and right in a few chapters or maybe a few verses, uh, Peter's going to cut off a guy's ear because he's trying to make something happen. He's trying to make something happen that's not supposed to happen. It's not, it's not time for it to happen. It's not the right way. Jesus knows what that way is. He's praying and he asks the disciples to stay here and watch and pray with and he goes and he prays and he has this, this conversation with his father like we talked about. Like, is there any other way? Right? So he's not doing nothing. He's not trying to force his way into it. But he's saying, watch and pray with me. And he comes back and the disciples are asleep. They're just, it says their eyes were heavy, I think, is actually the words that used. They were, they were sleeping. They weren't praying. They weren't watching. And he says, could you not watch and pray with me for a little while? Like, just a little while, like, watch, like, pray with me, watch with me. And he goes back, and he has another conversation with his father, and they fall asleep again. And he comes back, and he says, could you please, could you, could you watch and pray with me? And he says that a couple times, watch and pray. And I think something that, just like the story, that something that's deeper in, in the, the parable of the virgins, right, this, the bridegroom coming, of there's something that we're, you know, waiting on, and you have to watch, you have to look, you have to pay attention to the world around you, you have to see what's happening, you have to understand that when Scripture talks about these things that happen in our world and how to deal with them, that we can see them happening and, and, and deal with them. When we see someone who's going through um, depression or anxiety and we know that prayer and that the peace of God can, can heal that, we have to be able to see that person going through that. We have to be able to pay attention to it. So Jesus, again, the, the story, yes, is pray. Right? The story is you need to be praying, always be praying. Right? That's a good thing. That's a good story. But the deeper thing is that we should be watching as well. We need to be able to see what's happening in our community. We need to be able to see what's happening to our friends and our family so we know what to pray, so we know how to pray, so that when we're waiting on God to bring the promise, we can be active. So what about those promises, right? I talked about, you know, there's promises that he make, makes in Scripture. And there's some that he makes about waiting. Um, the two that I pulled out, um, one is Psalm 25.3. And it, I'll read the first half of it. It's, indeed, none of those who wait for you will be ashamed. In some places it says, 
put their hope in you, but I'll, I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. Um, or in some translations, it says put, put your hope in him. Um, and then the one that probably everyone in here knows, Isaiah 40, 31, those who hope in the Lord or wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up on wings like eagles. They'll run and not uh, be weary. They'll walk and not faint, right? Like there's scriptures, these promises about waiting on God, about waiting on him. And we always think, okay, if I just sit here and wait on him, he'll renew my strength and I'll be, I'll be, I'll be excited and invigorated for the next day. Or if I can just, if I can just get to him, like waiting is just about pushing, like just forcing my way into where I need to go. Then when I get there, no matter now how tired I am now, I'll be invigorated. But here, when we talk about waiting, as I've talked about not doing nothing and not forcing your way into it, we look at this and we say, wait on the Lord. Well, part of that waiting, part of the things we do while we wait are the things that invigorate us. Praying, reading his word, looking to him for hope and guidance. Those things that we're doing, those things that we look at in scripture, that those promises that he's made, in these about waiting, and about waiting on him and what happens when we get there, right? We need to be able to wait actively. Be able to look around to our community, our friends, our family, and say, what is going on here, and how can I apply what I've prepared myself for to that? Because, like I said in Psalm 25, 3, indeed, none of those who wait for you will be ashamed. And in some translations it says, put their hope in you. Um, the word ashamed there, when you go back to the translation, it means to pale or to grow pale. It means to be embarrassed. It means to be put to shame. And so what this is saying and what this is talking about here is that when we as Christians put our hope in God, in other words, when we wait on him and we're active in waiting on him because we know he's coming, we believe that he is, and so we do something in the meantime. We do those things that we're supposed to do in the meantime. We're not going to be left embarrassed, put to shame. We're not going to be left standing there with nothing to hold on to. We're going to have that promise, and he's given it to us. And he's told us that in his word and in uh, his word to us. So then what, what do we do then? So, so how, do we, how do we take this? How do we apply it to our lives? How do we make this something that we can put our trust in and we can put to practice, put to work? So watching and praying. I talked twice about being able to watch and see what's going on in our communities, in our, in our families, in our lives, how we, how we watch, how we pay attention to those people who are hurting, who need help, who need a touch from God, who need a word from God, who need something from the Father, who have a need. If we can pay attention and we've prepared ourselves while we're waiting, then we can make a difference in our communities and in our families and, and we can bring people into his kingdom. Right? We can watch and pray. We can pay attention. We can see what we need to do. And we don't need to try and force things into existence. We don't need to try to say, well, because I don't have my promise now, I'm not going to get it. Because I can't run this red light, I'm not going to get my ice cream. Well, that's not true, right? Because 
I can't see his hand in my life, I'm not going to get it. It's not true. In, I'll, 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 close, I'll close with this. In his book, Knowledge of the Holy, uh, A.W. Tozer has a quote, has, a, has a, a sentence in it. It says, one of the most important things for a Christian to do is think rightly about God. And I think when I, when I, it can apply to so many things, and it's something that I've held on to for a long time, is thinking rightly about God. And the thing I want to leave you with today, if, if nothing else, is that we have the ability to see God through his word, through his creation. We have the ability to know and get to know him through our relationship with him. And part of who he is is he doesn't break his promises. He doesn't give up when you decide to run the red light. And he doesn't uh, put things in your path that are not overcomable, that you can't overcome. So I urge you to, as you're waiting on God, whatever your promise is, whatever your promise that you are holding on to is, whether it's I need uh, my family member to be, have it be at peace with God and come to know him, or I just need to know that God really is coming back. Whatever that is, you can rely on him by reading his word, by being active in waiting, by paying attention to what's around you and not missing something that's going to bring you into the promise and give up before it's time. So um, that's what I have for today. And um, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Josh. Yeah. Super great. Well, on your table, uh, or on the tables next to you in the chairs, there's this blue connection card. And on the back side of that connection card, it says, this week, I will. So each week, we apply something from what the talk was about to our lives. And then we say, "This, what is my next right step with God? So I'm going to invite Jeff up, and we're going to sing uh, one last song together. But before Jeff goes into this song, I want us to take a moment and just apply what Josh talked about to our lives right now and what is your specific next right step with God. Your next right step with God may be to spend some more time waiting. Your next step with Jesus this morning might be to spend some time watching. I thought that that, that point was so great. You know, I've heard it for many years. Uh, well, what do I pray for? Like, I'm not exactly sure what I want to pray for. I think sometimes we don't know what to pray for because we haven't been watching. I mean, if we watch if we look around the people in our neighborhoods, our communities, our workplaces, if we, are we actively looking at them, we'll know how to pray for them because we can see the hurt that they're going through. We can see their pain if we're watching. But we get so consumed in our own world that we forget to watch uh, and pray. It's not just praying, it's watching. And that, was, that was so good. Maybe you're going through a struggle right now and you're waiting for that promise. Maybe your next right step with Jesus is to spend some time actively waiting, to spend some time in his word, Maybe it's spend some time preparing, uh, like the 10 bridesmaids, you know, or the, I think it was the five bridesmaids that, that were prepared and five that weren't. Maybe it was 10 that were and weren't, but I don't remember exactly. But, you know, like the ones that weren't prepared, it's saying, you know what, I need to go and, and be prepared for what's happening. So just take a moment and write down what's your next right step with Jesus. And we write it down for two reasons. One, we write it down because it kind of puts action 
legs, it puts legs to what we are feeling and thinking, what the Holy Spirit's speaking to us about. It put action steps to it. The second reason we write those down is because our prayer team prays over every single one of these. So when you write down what your next right step is, when you write down a prayer request on here, you can be sure that there's someone in this church family is praying specifically for your faith journey and what that next right step with Jesus is. We say that a lot around here, what's my next right step? Because in Scripture it says God uh, directs the steps. He orders our steps, not our leaps. A lot of times we want to leap just like we want to get that promise before it's time. We want to jump, you know, 10 steps down the line. You know, what's just that next right step with Jesus? What's just that next step? Getting up and praying, getting up and reading the word, meeting a neighbor, watching, whatever it may be. So I'm going to pray for us this morning and then take a moment to fill that out, to write in that and spend some time with the Lord. And then we'll sing one more song. Jesus, we thank you this morning that we can always count on you. That we can always count on your promises, that they will be fulfilled. We can trust you. And in the midst of the waiting, as difficult sometimes as the waiting is, while we're stopped at that stoplight and we haven't gotten the ice cream yet and we just want to go, but it's time to wait, we know that in that moment you haven't left us You haven't forsaken us. You are still with us. I pray this morning that each of us would just begin to see what our next right step is with you, what that next step is you want us to do. If it's to reach out to the person living next to us, if it's to reach out to a coworker, God, if it's to just watch for a moment and see those hurting so that we can pray, if it's to hold on to a promise, whatever that is, I pray that you would show us that. You would give us the strength and the boldness to take that step. In Jesus' name, amen. You can just take a moment here, spend some time alone with Jesus. If you want to write that down, that'd be great. Uh, Or just if you want to spend some time praying, you can, and then we'll sing in just a minute.